Yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like, why do I see adverts on the television for toilet paper? Who's not using it? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going through a list of states right now. Hi, America. Hello, world. My name is Adrian Lee, and I am your host. Welcome to the show, More Questions Than Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre and just plain weird. If you've just tuned in, especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you've just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... <laughs> I missed the first one. But I recovered and found the knob eventually. Everyone laughing gave the game away. I'll have to look at what I'm doing next time. The trick is to keep your eye on the ball at all times. The panel have no idea what's coming, and I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. What could possibly go wrong? So let me introduce my guests. Firstly, the mysterious and Heather Vesson, Heather Morris. She's been a paranormal investigator for many years with her own team called Hellhound Investigations and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and DVP experts with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather's ears were burning this week. Then she realised her head was on fire. Welcome (laughs) to the show, Heather. I also wish to introduce that mad and crazy (laughs) Michelle Corey. Michelle was born and raised in Moira, Minnesota and has a keen and avid interest in all things paranormal. Michelle wanted to study philosophy and English at college, so she only had to think about reading a book. Welcome to the show, Michelle. I love philosophy. To be is to do. Jean-Paul Sartre. I also love English. To be 
or not to be shakespeare dooby dooby doo um, i believe that's sinatra 84 is a cool <laughs> beatneck kind of a number he smokes french cigarettes and drinks absinthe we are on series two episode 84 84 is the international dialing code that will put you through to vietnam am i allowed to make jokes about vietnam or is that too soon too soon did you hear about the gummy bear who was missing a leg he lost it in nom I love this show. This makes me very happy. Oh, no. oh, it makes me very sad. It takes 84 years for Uranus to orbit the sun once. So you get one birthday and one Christmas on Uranus. Or Uranus, I don't mind. Either works. On a positive note, that's only one Black Friday and only one wedding anniversary missed. 84 is the atomic number of polonium, and it's a rare and radioactive metal. It was used in 2006 by the Russian KGB to poison and kill the spy and defector Alexander Litvinenko. With a cup of tea, I believe. Hmm. Would you like a cup of tea? No. I'll make you a nice cup of tea. No. Would you like no. a cup of tea? No. Nice warm cup of tea? No. no I'll thanks. put milk and sugar in no. it. A nice cup of tea. Would you like a cup of tea? No. Nice cup of tea. No. Would you like a cup of tea? No. 84 is the group identifier ISBN number for a book published in Spain. I want to see bullfighting, but with a triceratops. Run for your life. The triceratops will eat you alive. Um, I've got nothing to back that up. It's a herbivore. 84. <laughs> that would be great, though, wouldn't it? I want to see Jurassic Park, where they're actually bullfighting with the Triceratops. That would be the ultimate, wouldn't it? I want to see that happen. I want to tell the makers of Jurassic Park they need to show bullfighting with a Triceratops. That would be great. I want to see that happen. 84, <laughs> would you believe, is the name of a town in Washington County. That's very lazy, isn't it? Can you not believe? There's also towns called 6, 8, 20, 29, 56, 76, 88, 96, and 100. How must it be that you've gone through an entire state and you've run out of names at this point? So there's you and your mates. You're founding a new town. You've got Daveville. You've got Collinville. Gavin Town is already taken as well. At that point, it's what's your favorite number, Dave? And then they move on to colors the following week. It's just lazy. They've run out of names. I think so. Let's just call this 184. That'll do. We'll have that. Yep. Perfect. Each week, I love reading out the mailbag. I love all your comments. I love your emails. I love all your posts on Facebook. And I will read them out. Mitchell in Oklahoma posted, Between Dolphin Noises, Snorts. <laughs> oh, hang on. Uh-oh. Heather and Adrian's rants, Laughs Abound. Always love the shows. Thank you. They always bring a smile to my face. Aww. That's Mitchell, Thanks, Mitchell in Oklahoma. CF in Canada has written, congratulations on the new bra, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the girls are feeling loved and where they belong. Thank you, CF. Yes. Love lift us up, up where we belong. Stephen in Florida. Yay! Yay! Commented, it sure is hard coming back to reality after your shows. Makes everything else on the air sound so mundane. Mm, Thanks. Nice. Thank you very much, Stephen in Florida. Michelle, listening in Japan, said it's finally episode 81. So she's listening to our archives. Yeah. The international dialing code for my country, Japan, I've been waiting a year 
to say that. That lady's waited to get as far as episode 81 just so we crack a joke. And now she's done. And now she's done. She's not listening anymore. No. Unless she's interested in Vietnam, of course, which was (laughs) 84. Maybe she'll move. That's possible. (laughs) Just island jump around the Pacific is my advice at this stage. Tanya in Australia posted, my husband told me I got a shout out on your show tonight. So I say hello to you all from Oz. Hello, Tanya and everyone in Australia. Joan in Iowa said, I've just listened to your shows and you are so funny and entertaining. Thank you, guys. So many thanks to Joan. Thanks, Joan. Thank you to Jeff in California who took a picture of himself with a beer listening to last week's show. Perfect. You made me smile. You made me smile, sir. That's very, very funny. Thank you very much for that. Isn't it incredible? We have a mailbag with letters from Canada, Japan, Australia, and Iowa. This is just a joy, isn't it? And Iowa. I love it. (laughs) And Iowa. I believe you need your passport. We was in Iowa. This last weekend, we went to a place called Ames. We went to Iowa State University. We did a huge expo, a healing and Uh, psychic expo. I gave a talk. Mm -hmm. It was standing room only. People were laying in the aisles. Yes. And every possible way. It was unbelievable. 30 people (laughs) were standing in the corridor and couldn't get in. That's true. I did did an hour of stand-up. I just made them all laugh, talked about ghosts and hauntings for an hour, and everyone went away happy. Yeah. If you wish to see that particular crowd, that was quite remarkable. You need to friend me on Facebook, and you will see those crowds. But thank you to everyone who came to our talk in Iowa, and thank you to everyone I had readings with as well. I was there to do readings psychic readings and to everyone i met and to everyone who arranged and put together that amazing show in ames i'm sure we'll be back very shortly now in that mailbag they mentioned they listen to our archives if you go to soundcloud.com every show we've done there for the last three years is available for you if you type in mqta radio and do a search for that you can access all of our tunes. I know people like to play them and just let them run throughout the course of the day if they're at work or perhaps in the gym, mm-hmm. maybe exercising the dog or in the car. You can listen to us anytime on all of those formats. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. We have a Twitter account at Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. That's T-I-P-S for the International Paranormal Society. 85,000 followers on there we also have a youtube account with lots of outtakes and videos of me reading chapters from my books if you go to youtube and again search for more questions and answers with adrian lee you will hear me discussing my books and talking about chapters of my books reading those out free of charge everything is free everything i've just read out is free of charge this is a free show we're going out 8 p.m on dark matter digital network Mm -hmm. every friday night Mm -hmm. all of our archives are free you can listen to all of those bits and pieces that are fun on YouTube, of course. Big news, my new book, Mysterious Midwest, Unwrapping Urban Legends and Ghostly Tales from mm-hmm. the Dead, yes. was available on eBooks last week for the first time. Yep. You can now get physical copies. If you go onto Amazon and search specifically for that title, The Mysterious Midwest, you will find physical copies. You can smell the glue on the binding. You can smell the paper, the alcohol in the printing ink. It's a big, solid, thick book. What type of alcohol? Yeah. Printing ink alcohol. (laughs) You're going to be licking the pages, aren't you? I didn't realize how big this book was. 
because you're writing it as a Word document and it says 85,000 words, but translated into a book. I knew it would be a fairly large copy. That's a big book. Big book. It weighs about a pound. You are getting value for money, I tell you. So if you wish to purchase a copy of that particular book, rammed full of photographs, evidence, how all the equipment works, lots of theories, all the history, digging up history, raising history from the dead. That's mysterious Midwest unwrapping urban legends and ghostly tales from the dead. And David Ellison of Megadeth, the founder of Megadeth and the bass player of Megadeth, very kindly wrote the foreword to that book as well, because he wrote a song back in 1988 called Mary Jane, based on the ghosts of Loon Lake Cemetery. Mm -hmm. So people can buy that book and purchase it at this very minute in time. And if you ever buy any of my books, and this goes for anyone who's reading books by any author, it makes such a big difference to authors if you write a small review on Amazon. 90% of all books sold in America are now sold on Amazon. So if you like a book by any author, doesn't have to be me, just go on there and say good job, give it five stars, and that helps enormously. The more reviews you get, the more Amazon then promotes that particular book. And if we want books to be published, if we want publishing houses to exist, then we need to create that market. So I'd appreciate that. And I'm sure other authors would appreciate that as well if you nip onto Amazon and say good job. Obviously, if you don't like the book, my suggestion is not to write anything at all. I'm just saying (laughs) this is where we are. You can hear me for a second time this week. Not only are you listening to me now on a Friday evening on Dark Matter Digital Network, on Tuesday, if you wish to hear me, I am being interviewed by a good friend of mine called Ian Graham Leask. He has a show on KF. AI. It's a literary show called Right on Radio. So on Tuesday night between 7 and 8 p.m. Central Time, coming out of the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul on KF AI, you can listen to Ian interview me about my new book. I don't often get a chance to be interviewed. I'm normally doing the interviews. So we'll have a long conversation about that book and Halloween and all things ghostly. That's between 7 and 8 p.m. Central Time on Tuesday on KF AI out of the Twin Cities on a show called Write On Radio. And that's right as in writing books. You can pick that up online if you can't pick up those channels because you're not near anywhere in Minnesota. You can listen to that online. I came up with a list this week. There's a gentleman. His name is Martin. He's a regular listener to the show. He comes from New York. He posted on my wall on Facebook. And by the way, all of tonight's stories, all of the mailbag, all of the fun, the interactions, the jokes, all of our listeners all getting involved is on Facebook. If you go to more questions and answers with Adrian Lee on Facebook, you will find all of that fun. You can do that now. You can go into Facebook, join that particular group, see all of the stories and much, much more that we can't read out live on air because we don't have enough time but martin posted on my facebook wall 23 funny things about living in america only brits will get number one people are constantly amazed by your accent i wouldn't say that number two (laughs) americans are often rude about your accent (laughs) i made that up it said sometimes people don't understand even though you're speaking english number three you will say so many things that will confuse people things like please thank you sorry Uh you look intelligent 
This cup of tea tastes wonderful. Your, your driving is so good. Oh, Just things Americans would never get if I said that to them. It says that sometimes it will feel like you are actually speaking in code. Number five, you probably offend people regularly because people don't understand your sarcasm. That was the last point, I'm guessing. <laughs> Someone will do terrible impressions of what they think it is to have a British accent. Yeah, baby. Oh, behave. Chidio, mate. Pip, pip. You will end up saying you're from London, even if you're not from London. <laughs> but I am from London. I am from London. And somebody asked me once where I was from. And if you're an American living in Britain and a British person says to you, where are you from? If you say I'm from New York or I'm from Los Angeles or I'm from Chicago, that is sufficient. They will know that is in the United States of America. So when people say to me, where are you from? And I say, I'm from London. I've actually had people then say to me, is that near England land? And I say, yes. England land? That is quite close to England land. You can almost <laughs> spit and hit it if the wind is with you. You will never, ever be able to get a decent cup of tea. Refer to point four. Oh, boy. You can kiss goodbye to finding jumbo packs of tea bags. You will get absolutely sick of hearing, have you ever met the Queen? You will never get used to making eye contact with someone through the gap in the bathroom door. That's very odd in this country. I don't know how that even works. Everyone starts getting excited for Halloween way too early, Miss Morris. What are you talking what? about? It's a year-round thing. American television is just not the same. Luckily, you have amazing, informative, funny radio shows to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> I love this show. Have I ever mentioned that? No. Now, this isn't quite in the round of Ghosts and Haunties. We haven't quite got there yet, okay. but I may give myself some points because it's a really good segue. Oh, boy. This story says the scariest films of all time have been revealed. Is it the one that terrifies you? The 1973 movie The Exorcist has been voted the scariest film of all time. A total of 24% of the 2,000 Brits quiz said the film about the demonic possession of a 12-year-old Reagan McNeil, played by Linda Blair, had them quaking in their boots. This is a survey done. Or their wellies. Britain. In their wellies. Nicely done. Colloquialisms as we live and breathe. <laughs> asked who they would most like to talk to from beyond the grave. You're asking a group of Brits who would we most like to talk to. From beyond the grave. What do you think they said? I have no idea. Actually. Princess Diana. Oh, really? That... I know. I find that very odd. She died in 1997 and came top with 14%. I mean, she's just very vacuous. I mean, what would you discuss? Where did you get your hair done? You could speak to Oscar Wilde, some of the great Shakespeare, Dickens, Winston Churchill. Princess Diana. No. What are you discussing at that point? What colours go well with autumn? I find that very strange. Lady Di was followed by Albert Einstein. No, that's not bad. And Elvis Presley. Awesome. Both with 7% of the vote. Closely followed by Freddie Mercury with 6%. Uh -huh. Jack the Ripper with 5%. Oh, wow. <laughs> they and, don't even know who Jack is. And Adolf Hitler. Oh, God. David Bowie and John Lennon, all with 4%. Freddie Mercury, Jack the Ripper, and Hitler. What a concert that was. Fantastic. <laughs> all from the balcony in Vienna. A total 
of 13% said they had either been possessed themselves or knew someone who had been taken control over by the spirit, with 23% believing that exorcists could force an evil spirit from a person's body. One in four Brits also think the Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump is possessed by the devil. <laughs> that ain't the truth. With 22% saying they reckon the billionaire currently locked in a battle for the American presidency with Hillary Clinton is the devil in disguise. You heard it here first on More Questions Than Answers. The Bible says Satan will disguise himself as a righteous man. But Trump's not a righteous man, so I think he's safe. <laughs> now, it's going to list now the top five scariest films of all time. Okay. And number one, of course, was The Exorcist. I'm just going to ask you, Miss Morris, what would you say? Not, not what do you think is on the list, but what do you think? What was your scariest film you've ever seen? As a little girl, it was The Fly. Sure. The Fly. Yes. The Jeff Goldblum version of the yes. 1958. The Jeff Goldblum. I can See, remember. I, think, I was scared. I think the original Fly, the black and white, mm. I think it was 58, 57, something like that. I think that's far more scary. Because at the very end, no one believes the guy that this happened. He says, you know, my colleague, he had the head of the fly, the body of a human. No one believes him. They don't believe him. And mm. he sat on a park bench and he hears a little voice going, help me. Help me. And he looks down to his right, and there's a cobweb. And there's a oh, fly stuck in the, in the cobweb with a human's head. And the spider's slowly coming towards the fly stuck in the oh. web. And he gets a rock and crushes it. I mean, even now, that sends the hairs <laughs> up on the back of my neck. Interesting you said the fly. Michelle, what about you? I will say the exorcist yeah, that was terrified the me. Yes. Really? It kept me awake. Yeah. And... Pet cemetery. I think, see, this is the thing. I think it's not what is the scariest film. I think it's the film that you happen to see first at a certain age and whatever that film then is. Sure. Because I will go through the list. Exorcist is number one. The Shining is number two. Mm -hmm. Silence of the Lambs was yeah, number that three. that was a good one. Number four was The Blair Witch Project. That terrified me. Number five, 1963, The Birds. Mm. Very strange. I think you're getting different age groups. I think people that said The Exorcist are going to be people that are middle aged because they saw that when they were little, like Michelle did. Right. And we have a, you know, people that said Silence of the Lambs, that was the 90s, I believe, is a whole new generation of people that saw that as their first film at that age. The Birds, my mum is absolutely petrified of because in 1963, when she was dating my dad and she was only a young teenager, they went to the cinema together, and that was the first film she saw. So mm. it's whatever you see that impacts you at a certain age. And we're just getting a cross-section here of different age groups right. and the first film they saw from that generation. Now, for me, it was Disney's Pocahontas. <laughs> I have nothing to back that up. That's not true. Now, for me, my dad, this was on the BBC. I was 10 years old or 11 years old. It was late at night. My dad said to me, come and watch this film, Adrian. This is just incredible. Best lighting, best direction, best artwork, just phenomenal. And I sat there, and I like science fiction. And I'm thinking, wow, I love Doctor Who. I love Blake Seven. I love all these fabulous science fiction. He sat me down as a 10-year-old, and I watched Alien. Nice. <laughs> Chests exploding. Oh, People being so nice. eaten alive. 
all kinds of nastiness, acid blood, face huggers that I didn't sleep for weeks. I mean, that's a horrendous film to see, isn't it? I also saw on the television, it impacted me greatly. It probably isn't the most scariest film that's ever been produced. But in the same way I saw it first and it impacted me, American Werewolf in London. Oh, there's a couple of scenes. His brother, I think it was, or his friend, keeps coming back to visit him in yeah. various states of decay. Yes, yes, that was quite disgusting. But there is a scene where the nurse, I think it was Jenny Agatha, he wakes up from a nightmare, and the nurse says to him, Are "You okay? You've had a nightmare." And she goes to the drapes to pull the drapes open, and suddenly loads of Nazis jump out with pig masks on and start shooting everything, and it makes you jump. And he wakes up again, so they've tricked you into thinking he'd woken up when he was still still dream within a dream. There you go, before the Matrix was even ever thought of, or Inception come to that. So I thought American Werewolf needs to be in there as well, but that's very interesting. It just depends on what age you are and what you first access. Was The Shining that scary? Not really. I find that more like suspenseful or just plain weird yeah there's a lot that doesn't actually happen until the end i mean it isn't it isn't is it scary i mean perhaps we should have a debate on our facebook site more questions and answers with adrian lee whether those films are genuinely scary or not even though the round hasn't started i will should give myself points every (laughs) opportunity to get into the lead this is the round that is ghosts and hauntings babysitting can be a daunting experience at the best of times just ask John Wayne Gacy. Oh, but Lord. when the child indulges in a spot of somnambulant gymnastics, it's truly terrifying. Miss Morris, do you want a spot of somnambulant gymnastics? Not really. Okay, we'll wait till later. Drink the tea. <laughs> That's the worrying situation which confronted Michaela Long while looking after her niece. Miss Long, a social media personality in California, or unemployed as we call it everywhere else, (laughs) was doing her best to be a good auntie when she spotted something very strange on the baby monitor. The child was fast asleep, whilst standing on her head with her legs arched over the bars of the cot. Miss Long tweeted about her niece's hair-raising nocturnal exploits to her 22,000 Twitter followers. Only 22. (laughs) She posted, this is my first time babysitting and I don't know where I went wrong, but my niece is currently asleep on her head. Do I call the parents or an exorcist? Or go and help her? Where's the dilemma here? Should I tweet (laughs) or check on the baby? The picture predictably went viral, (laughs) being shared 55,000 times and liked by more than 120,000 people. Many of those shocked by the picture compared the late-night handstand to something from horror film Paranormal Activity. The child's mother told BuzzFeed the girl has been quite acrobatic lately. And that's just the babysitter. Uh. And she was settling down and getting comfortable. We just spoke about The Exorcist. If you wish to see a little baby sleeping on its head, Bolt upright in a vertical position with its feet in the air (laughs) on a baby monitor. You can do so by visiting our Facebook site. More questions than answers with Adrian Lee. I actually fell asleep once standing up at a wedding. I took a long time getting to the wedding. It was a hot summer's day, long journey, very tired, no sleep, wearing a suit, wearing a tie, standing up in the church, all things bright and beautiful, singing the hymns. It's 100 degrees. The pastor says, everyone now be seated. 
And I'm standing up going. <laughs> I fell asleep standing up during a hymn at a wedding. And someone had to tug on my pants to get me to sit down. Miss Morris, what have you got for me in the round of ghosts and hauntings? Oregon Hospital quarantined after unexplained mass hallucinations. Oregon Ooh. mass hallucinations. Mm -hmm. Yes. News outlet Oregon Live has reported that a hospital in Coos Bay, Oregon, was placed under quarantine after an unexplained outbreak of mysterious mass hallucinations. The outbreak was discovered when emergency personnel came to assist an assisted living caregiver who called 911 early in the morning hours of October 12th. The caregiver claimed she had become alarmed after seven or eight people began attempting to tear the roof off her car. It's either... What? And this is elderly people, is it? But I don't know what it is. They must be running around fast if she couldn't decide whether there was seven or eight. <laughs> Still, I can't <laughs> count you all. Well, police then arrived and declared the scene normal and then left. That's Oregon for you. Yep. The next morning, the caregiver once again called the police, this time claiming the exact same thing was happening. At this point, police began to suspect the woman might be psychotic and sent two deputies to escort her to a mental health professional. <laughs> was she dressed as a sardine at the time? No. Okay, just checking. All right. That's when things got weird. Oh, because like, oh, it's not weird so far, no. aren't it? It's perfectly yeah, normal. Right. The deputies reported that shortly after arriving, they began to feel strange sensations of euphoria and became lightheaded themselves. An elderly woman in care of the seemingly crazed caregiver then began speaking nonsense and acting erratically. Well, that's just a given. Luckily, the deputies realized something was afoot and were able to gain enough composure to call for backup. Yep. Backup. Yes. yes. The hazmat team was dispatched hazmat. to the house and all four stricken individuals were taken to separate nearby hospitals. She had a mushroom farm in the basement. Micrology. Spores coming nope. up through the floorboards. Nope. The hospital ward treated the four hallucinatory victims and was placed under quarantine until a cause for the mystery illness was found. The original hypothesis was that the hallucinations were caused by fentanyl patches worn by elderly women, since all four victims had close contact with the patches. Where can we get these patches? Do you roll them up and smoke them? Wait. Is this HRT replacement we're discussing here? I have no idea. I have no idea. What, why would you need patches at that age? I, I need. Know. We need to do more research. Where like, can we to get, get limber? Things? To get limber. There's I old think. people selling these patches on the corner of streets to make up their pension money. How do They're you know this? They're pushing this stuff. How do you know this? I've seen them outside. They're on the corner of every street. Gangs of old delinquent <laughs> ladies Gangs. selling HRT patches. Yes, scooters. Scooters. <laughs> Terrorizing the neighborhood. Wearing beanies with their you pants see them. down you and their underwear that's up. That's right. I'll like cut that? you. I've <laughs> got a blade. I'm going to cut you, and I? They're gangs. Silver surfers. They're standing there with their carts, turning the throttle, burning rubber at the lights. Peeling it's, roofs off cars. It's shocking to do. Well, Terrible. Oregon's going to hell in a handbasket. It, it is. Invest is Trump going to address this? What's he saying about it? I don't know. There. We need to look into it. Policies. Well, the investigation has found that all those patches and potential medications that may have caused the symptoms that everybody was feeling have actually been accounted for. Oh. So no source of the contamination has been found. The vehicles, equipment, and uniforms have been checked with no contaminants identified or located on or about them 
either. They're thinking that maybe all this activity could be related to this month's supermoon, which is believed to have strange, unexplained effects on people and animals alike. Some sources have speculated that this might be another case of folie du. I have no idea what that is. That means uh, cotton chips twice in French. (laughs) Well, it's a mysterious phenomenon in which hallucinations or delusions can be transmitted from person to person. Yes, poisson or do croissants croissant or almost florence <laughs> almost florence florence <laughs> i'm florence in french french or florence french florence you're almost fluent in florence, <laughs> french florence. <laughs> if i can get my worms out properly Michelle, what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings? <laughs> I will take your points away for being lippy, Miss Morris. <laughs> Dracula's Transylvanian Castle to open overnight on Halloween for the first time in 70 years. Halloweenus! Halloweenus! Yay! I wonder why they've not opened it before. This is an interesting story. I like this. Mm. If you're looking for the ultimate spooky Halloween experience, where better than Dracula's actual castle? The Transylvanian Fortress will open its doors overnight to two lucky, or maybe not so lucky guests, for the first time in 70 years. Just well, two hold people. Them two? Push Only you two. in, there you go, get yep. on with it. We'll be back in the morning. <laughs> if you meet Vlad, yeah, if you see Vlad, do be sure to give him my best regards. And how's Mrs. Vlad and the Vlad kids? If you see <laughs> Mrs. Vlad, Vlad ask her how she is. Do you think that's his last name? Mr. and Mrs. If you see Mr. and Mrs. Impaler, yeah, I do believe let it's me the know. Impaler. It's his son, Colin Impaler. <laughs> his name was Vlad the Impaler. It's the same as Jesus Christ and his parents, Mr. and Mrs. Christ. It's Chevy. It was Joseph Christ. Jesus' last name was Chevy. No, a Chevy Impaler. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Why am I here? Don't encourage it. It's shocking. Can't believe I'm wasting precious moments of my life. I'm going to be on my deathbed thinking of these jokes and thinking of the minutes I've wasted as my life goes through my fingers like grains of sand. Grand Castle, set in the Carpathian Mountains in Romania, is being offered overnight on October 31st by apartment rental site Airbnb. Magic. Nice. <laughs> nice. I'm going to take you out for a and b We'll have a nice romantic weekend. Mm-hmm. It's our anniversary. Nice. Bring your cross and bring your garlic. Two guests will have the chance to be wined and dined at the icon- iconic site, then left alone to lie in red velvet trimmed coffins, just as Dracula did in the Bram Stoker horror novel. That does sound like fun, though, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. it does. I mean, we yes. are, we're knocking it, but we're all sat <laughs> yeah, around this table I wish, thinking, I would love it. Hmm, who should I take mm-hmm. with me? That'd be great. The event will be hosted by Dacre Stoker, a descendant of the author Bram. The contest, which launched on Monday, asked participants to use vampiric wit to imagine what they'd say to Count Dracula if they met him. Fangs for the memory. That's what they want, that kind of thing. They mm-hmm. want vampire punnage, don't they, is what they're looking for. Our listeners, we could all go and enter this. This would be fun. That would be awesome. Mm -hmm. We need to put something together and see what we come up with. I like this idea. This makes me very happy. The winning pair will be given a tour of the castle, which attracts about 630,000 visitors a year. Wow. Before enjoying a candlelight dinner of chicken paprikash, the meal described in the novel. But budding winners must obey two rules. 
No garlic or no silver jewelry. Both believed to ward off vampires. No silver jewelry. Nope. I didn't know that. No, that's werewolves. I thought it was werewolves. Wasn't it silver bullets? Yeah. Am I getting confused? I don't know about I think it's no crucifixes. No mirrors. Oh, you see Wooden them in a stakes. mirror. Wooden stakes. Wooden stakes. Isn't that what you get a vampire with? It yeah. is. You're absolutely right. Garlic, wooden stakes. You can see them in... Well, they mm-hmm. don't have a reflection, Crucifixes. do they? Crucifixes. Crucifixes. Holy water. Mm-hmm. Pliers. Pulling out their teeth. That's going to work. Airbnb also reminds applicants that the Count is not a fan of mirror selfies, as yeah. according to legend, a vampire casts no reflection in a mirror. Bran Castle is famous for its connection to Vlad the Impaler, a real-life prince who stayed there in the 15th century and used stakes to impale his victims. And drove a Chevy, by all accounts. <laughs> That's fabulous. I shall yes. give you points for being fun and informative. A man confessed he was thoroughly spooked when his trousers started to move what? of their own accord with no logical explanation. Oh, come I've on. used that line before. Uh-huh. Anthony uh-huh. Dunleavy, 36, was alone in the house when he spotted one of the legs of the chinos moving on its own and began filming. He had been wearing them all day and throwing them over the sofa when he took them off. Anthony shared the video... <laughs> With Mirror Online explaining, I checked for drafts. There were no windows open, no heating on, and no fire on. The other leg is exactly the same length, and it didn't move at all. I was alone in the house. I'd normally be in the pub on a Friday night, but I was stone-called sober. Normally, I'd put it down to having too much beer. Anthony says he does believe in ghosts and has always had a sixth sense. Having heard scratching in his home before, he insists... This is the weirdest thing that has ever happened. You don't want scratching in your trousers, ideally, Mm -mm. do you? He added, when I asked if anyone was there, it stopped moving. It freaked me out. (laughs) He needs to exercise his pants. It's the Phantom of the Zipper. I tell you, if you wish to see a man's trousers. (laughs) Your zipper goes down your leg? (laughs) You're halfway there. You've got half that right. (laughs) If you wish to see before we're taken off air, the phantom trousers, you can go to our Facebook site. It's the return of the phantom trousers. I love the idea of having phantom trousers. You can go to our Facebook site, more questions and answers. With Adrian Lee and you can see the left leg in, the left leg out, in, out, in, out, and then shake it all about. This is the round coming now that is UFOs and cryptozoologies. It's green men and hairy beasties. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOlogy and cryptozoology? Well, I've got a tiny creature runs away from Curiosity's drilling activities on Mars. (gasps) Did you know? Oh! Yeah, Mars has creatures, and they're tiny. He's, He's looking m- for the shoe. He is. He's looking for his missing shoe. I told you we'd go back and get it. And the monkey, and the robot arm. And the and- Buddha, and the space <laughs> crab. And yeah, the, and the base the that's there. bus, yeah, everything's up there. Yeah. On January 29th of 2015, NASA's Curiosity Mars rover used a drill carried at the end of its robotic arm to bore into a flat rock on Mars and collected a sample from its interior. This is a Doctor Who episode. This is the Sea Devils. They go mining on Mars, and before you know where you are, 
there's little creatures running around everywhere and planet Ew. Earth is threatened. Ew. I've seen this. I know this happens. Well, the images were taken by the front Hascam right and the front Hascam left on board the rover and published on page of NASA's website, Mars Project Propulsion Laboratory. Yeah, that's always first on my internet searches. Mm -hmm. yeah. I know. At first glance, it seems to be standard images showing the robotic arm, which has carried out a drill, but... If you take a closer look at the images taken by the front Hascam right, you will notice a very small being, and they think it might be an insect. An insect? On Mars, I know. It went wow. up with it. It was a little fly, got caught in the lens, went up with the whole thing. And now it's going to morph into something weird. Probably. Especially... All the radiation there is on I that know, planet. Right? It's going to be Flyboy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Super Flyboy. <laughs> I Why are you that. dinging? Because I'm funny and informative and I'm gaining points. Wow. See, there's people laughing as we speak. Nathan's choking behind me. Oh, I'll choke him too. Mars, Mars Alive, who discovered the anomaly, made a time-lapse footage in which you can see the insect is moving during the drilling activities. Although some people suggest the anomaly is just a piece of debris due to vibration from the drill, I'm not sure if it is just a piece of debris because the legs of the insect, maybe a bug, ant, or a spider, are clearly visible and it looks like it runs away from the drilling activity. So there's bugs on Mars, probably a mosquito. Do you yeah. ever run away when you're getting vibrations during your drilling activities? I don't drill. No. <laughs> In my mind, a set of Egyptian coins could be proof that an alien race visited Earth thousands of years ago. Say conspiracists. One coin found during a house renovation in Egypt seems to depict a spaceship hovering above the ground. Another seems to show the head of an extraterrestrial being with huge hollow eyes, a bald head and thin cheeks. That's Patrick Stewart. Now <laughs> UFO hunters I love are him. claiming that they are... Make it so. You Meet take me it in my back. ready room, number one. Take it back. I take it back. It looks nothing like Patrick Stewart. <laughs> now UFO hunters are claiming they are proof to the existence of alien life walking amongst us. MysteriousEarth.net says a group of people who worked on the renovation of a house in southern Egypt found a number of very rare coins. They call the coins unique because other coins have no images of a strange human figure. The site adds it is possible that the coins show visiting aliens on planet Earth. According to many ufologists, the answer is yes. The site also notes that one of the coins, which have not been authenticated, has Opportunus Adest carved on the back. Latin for it's here in due time. They're coming back, I tell you. To get their money? Apparently, they left all their coins here <laughs> under the rock. We'll stick it under the floorboard. We'll come back for it. What'd like, you do with your lunch money? <laughs> I put it under the floorboards. Of course I did. The interesting thing is that there have been coins that have been printed, coins that have been minted to show depictions of UFOs that look like wheels. There's a mm. famous French coin, and I want to say it's around 1480. I'm willing to be corrected. But there was a famous French medal that was minted that shows an event that happened in France of a spinning wheel in the sky. And they minted coins to commemorate this event. 
So it doesn't surprise me because throughout history, they've seen this occurrence. If you remember in the Bible, in the Old Testament, Ezekiel, the only man ever to go up to heaven and come back again to talk about it, was taken up to the heavens in a spinning wheel. He actually describes that. The Hmm. interesting thing, of course, is that this is Egyptian and this is almost before the Old Testament or at the very least the late Egyptian period was when the Old Testament started. So you could argue that an event took place in Egypt where a spinning wheel was seen in the skies and the Egyptians minted a coin to commemorate that and the people that were putting together the Old Testament also included that occurrence in the Old Testament. That's remarkable, isn't it? I find these things remarkable. You can go onto our Facebook site, more questions and answers with Adrian Lee to see the coins with Patrick Stewart and the (gasps) strange spinning wheel. Michelle, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? Footage shows strange Bigfoot-like creature walking by waterfall in Indonesia. Do you have a bar of soap with it? Just trying to get a... You would take, wouldn't you? It's a really good advertisement for an organization that sells shampoo. Mm-hmm. Sasquatch shampoo. Get a real nice lava. <laughs> billowing squatch hair. If you want billowing squatch hair, is he or isn't he? He is. He's using conditioner. Take two Sticky. bottles into the shower. That would be fantastic. Look at his lovely fur. It's glossy. It's smooth. It's shining in the sunlight. Mm, he has the smell of, of October and lavender <laughs> wafting through the air. Irish spring. Irish Spring. <laughs> Irish Spring. Bigfoot shampoo for men. <laughs> A lot of questions would be answered if you're taking Bigfoot shampoo for men into the locker room. That's all I'm saying. You'll be taking Littlefoot. I'm glad again, once again, you've highlighted to 100,000 listeners all over the world in 190 countries, including Japan, Australia, America, Canada and France, that I've got a small willy. This is where we're going, is I it? I didn't say that. So what am I taking into the show, Miss Morris? A travel bottle. Oh, wow. <laughs> And I got three goes out of that. <laughs> Heather's on minus five. <laughs> Do continue, Michelle. You're doing very well. You're on three at the moment. <laughs> it's claimed that this footage can show... The footage? Mis- You're at it again, yeah. aren't you? You're at it again. You can't let it go. Nope. <laughs> could show the mysterious creature known as Bigfoot, despite it being taken in Asia. Sightings of the beast usually come from North America, but this latest video was shot in Indonesia. The Sasquatch can be seen roaming through the countryside against a backdrop of exotic mountains. A small bunny rabbits and birds flutter around as he's waving his hair in the wind because he's used Bigfoot conditioner. And he's on holiday. Holiday. He's on holiday in (laughs) Indonesia, is he? You wouldn't want to sit next to him on the flight out, would you? You either get the kid who's kicking you in the back <laughs> or the fat man snoring. Yeah. I had a Sasquatch. He didn't say a word for the entire flight. And he I smelled think... so good. The picture I've got in my mind of him being on vacation mm-hmm. is one of him having cornrows. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. Like... Fabulous. What would vivid imagination we all have? Sasquatch vacations. <laughs> Where are you taking the kids this year and the missus? We're going to Indonesia. Corn crows, 
Corn rows. Whatever. I'm living in the Midwest. I'm surrounded by coal. It's like the scene from North by Northwest with Cary Grant by Alfred Hitchcock. I'm running through fields with a crop sprayer after me. It's ridiculous. I didn't think these places actually existed. It's remarkable. I thought I'd share that with you. I've got corn on the brains. Harvest time. So where else is he going? Where's he going next year? <laughs> Some claim the clip is fake, just one of the thousands of hoaxes posted online. But others are saying that this could be the real McCoy. Has Bigfoot moved to Indonesia? That's because most sightings that take place in North America tend to be bears. Ooh. Mm. Bears out, walk upright, so are often at the root of claims. But Indonesia doesn't have large bears. The footage has sparked fresh interest among believers in the creature. Indonesia. We've learned something. I like the fact that you can walk away from this radio show with more than you arrived with. Apparently, Indonesia does not have large bears. Informative. But they have a Bigfoot. They do, apparently, now, and he's on his vacation. I have one last story in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology. This has been the talk of the week a conspiracy theorist texts his mum to say if anything happens to me investigate just days before his mysterious death max spires 39 a father to two boys was found dead on a sofa in poland where he had gone to give a talk about conspiracy theories and ufos he was ruled to have died from natural causes despite no post-mortem examination being carried out on his body that's very odd when you die at 39 for no good cause i might add right. but his dark investigations into ufos and government cover-ups may have made him enemies who wanted him dead says his mother vanessa who is 63 in a chilling text message to his mum just days before his death max wrote your boy is in trouble if anything happens to me investigate originally from canterbury max lived in america for a few years but had returned to the city to stay with his mother before jetting off to poland vanessa said he was making a name for himself in the world of conspiracy theorists and had been invited to speak at a conference in poland he was staying with a woman he had not known for very long and she told me how she found him dead on the sofa but i think max had been digging in some dark places and i fear that somebody wanted him dead max made a career out of investigating ufo sightings and alleged cover-ups good luck reading out your next story heather more recently he was said to be probing into the lives of well-known figures in politics business and entertainment his unexplained death and its subsequent treatment by the authorities has left many online followers convinced he was killed by government agents what's really odd about this is that he actually died in july he came back his body was brought back to britain and he's currently buried in a cemetery in canterbury so if there was any sense that this was some wrongdoing why did his mother bury his body four months ago in a field in canterbury How's this only coming out now? Because she now wants his body exhumed so they can do toxicology tests. Sure. I don't understand how this has now come about when all that process of bringing him over from Poland, and you can be sure there's lots of red tape and paperwork involved with that, then comes back to this country and is then buried with full ceremonies with no one saying a word. And now this story comes out at the end of October when he died in July. I mean, that just adds another layer of really strange and bizarre, doesn't it? Absolutely. I find the whole thing very strange. In fact, strange and bizarre is our next category for the evening. It's the round 
where the stories don't fit easily into any other category but are too good not to read out live on air. This two-year-old Nepalese boy has a third arm growing out of his back, a deformity which has left his parents with a heart-wrenching choice which could leave him paralysed. Oh. The arm which doesn't move oh. is the remains of Gurab Garam's undeveloped twin and is growing from a split in the toddler's spinal column. The split known as spina bifida affects one in 1,500 babies but the extra arm and hand is much rarer. As it continues to grow, it is starting to affect Gurub's sleep. He should sleep on his head. I believe that's the way oh, to go. Right, yes. Yeah, and that yeah. arm could actually grab onto the edge of the crib and it'll be fine. And oh. his mum, Kalpina, is worried her son soon won't be able to fit into T-shirts. Now Kalpina and her husband face the impossible decision of whether or not to have the fifth limb removed, knowing that it could leave Gurab paralysed. I don't understand why they have to cut that off at the spine. Why don't they just leave an inch or two and just saw through the bone and cut it off before you get to the spine. That makes sense to me. I mean, you, you get a little stump at the back, but that's going to be better than having a fifth arm. That's right. A fifth limb, a, a third arm. The family live in a deeply religious Hindu community in the Tanahan district, and Gurab has never before received a medical opinion because spiritual shamans told his parents not to go to the doctors. Oh. People say he was a form of God, and they bestow money upon him. So now we're getting to the crux of why this yeah. hasn't been looked at. In a third world country, if people are visiting and giving you money and you can't feed yourself, then we're getting to where we need to be. Calpina adds, some said an operation needs to be done and he has to be taken to hospital so a proper checkup can be done. Who should we listen to? What should we do? We couldn't decide. For treatment, we went to the shaman's palace and they said not to remove the arm. That would be great for shoplifting, wouldn't it? Can you imagine you're standing there with your arms out on display? In the background, your arms grabbing cans of peas and carrots. And you're like this. That's right. You're sat there. It's no good doing actions, Sorry, Michelle, if you're not going to describe them. For the benefit of our listeners on the radio, Michelle folded her arms. You could fold your arms, engage in a conversation, and behind your back, he's clearing the shelves. He's got all the Halloween candies, forcing it into his pockets, pushing it down his trousers. Can you imagine the fun Donald Trump could have if he had a third arm? Which could... <gasps> oh, you no. see where we're going? No. Controversial. I should give myself points for being fun and informative. Michelle, what have you got for me in the last story of the evening? I have creepy clothes designed for dead people so you can look trendy until the end of time. You can come back and haunt people and look sharp about it, That's I tell right. you. A fashion house has released a creepy range of coffin couture so people can look stylish even when six feet under. What's wrong with the clothes? That's suggesting that the clothes you were wearing when you were alive weren't stylish enough. That's true. Mind you, I'm looking around the room now and we all need help in that area. <laughs> According to new research, 85% of Brits have thought about their final outfit. Many are more than willing to splash out, with a quarter willing to spend £1,000. But some are more casual in their approach, with a third of men keen to be buried in a baseball cap, and a fifth happy to meet their maker in flip-flops. I'm sure that's not Britain, because hardly anyone wears a baseball cap in Britain. Well, that's what I thought was a so little... So it starts out by talking about pounds, and then says yeah. baseball caps. They're a rarity. Baseball is not followed greatly. In Britain, I would suggest. What about flip-flops? Yes, we wear flip-flops. Mm. Do you? With socks? 
Because that's <laughs> terrible. Black socks. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend who lost his toe in a terrible accident using a lawnmower, and he can't wear flip-flops. He doesn't have the benefit. If you lose your big toe, your flip-flop wearing days are over. There's oh, a helpline. Yeah. You can call them up. People will tell you, you know, I'm really sorry, you can't wear your flip-flops anymore. You can only wear flips. That's right. There's no <laughs> flopping taking place. Let me you flip can you. you can wear one. You could wear one. You could wear one flip-flop. around. You could tape it up. You could wear one on the other foot. Yeah. But you're going to need some duct tape. Oh. We can resolve all issues. All issues. Everything has a solution. Mm-hmm. The survey was conducted by fashion company List for their new... Over My Dead Body Collection. Nice. Mm -hmm. They gave coffin-clad models macabre makeovers to show off the range of 40 men's and women's clothing, jewelry, and accessories. Why can't you just buy normal clothes? Why does it have to be a special place to buy clothes for the dead? Is it like Velcro? Maybe. I'm wondering if these are like made to last longer Biodegradable. Yeah, I'm thinking biodegradable. More, I, I was thinking more like a stripper in reverse. Do you know when a stripper suddenly removes his trousers and it's all Velcro? I'm now thinking that this is the reverse, where you're putting the clothes on and it's Velcro, so you don't have to move a body around that's got rigor mortis. You can buy suits and clothes now that have mushroom spores interwoven into the fabric. So when you get buried, oh. the mushrooms grow and it's all biodegradable. Mushroom clothes. I want a mushroom suit. I want a suit of mushrooms. The bottom half could be pepperoni. The top half can be mushroom. That's where I'm going. You're terrible. Could be buried in a pizza box. Mm, and no. then get cremated. Perfect. <laughs> Something to think about. And if I don't get cremated in 30 minutes, you get it for free. Oh, no. Everybody's happy. Mm-mm. I won't tell you what I do with the pineapple. Mm-mm. <sighs> More like anchovy. What, are you having a go at me again? Well, small anchovy. Small anchovy. <laughs> I have to say anchovies do make me thirsty. I am thirsty after I have an anchovy. What are anchovies? It's a strange thing, isn't it, an anchovy? Who eats these? That's just wrong. Have you got statistics to show us? You're giving up. I'm giving up. Perfect. That brings to an end the round that is strange and bizarre. We now move into the round that's called Not For Your Mother, which means you found us on the internet or on one of our media platforms on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, or TuneIn. TuneIn Radio. If your mother is in the room, if she's of a nervous disposition, you need to remove her. If there's small children also in the room, they need to be taken out. Don't say that I haven't warned you. Michelle, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? Australian tourists charged after farting in Orlando stripper's face. (laughs) (laughs) Pour some sugar on me. He just blew her a kiss. <laughs> She's my brown-eyed girl. So, do she, you remember when was she winded? <laughs> what was she dancing to? Flock of seagulls. Controversial. I don't understand that. Never one. mind. Yeah. That's a very subtle joke. <sighs> A 27-year-old Australian man from the city of Perth has been charged with simple assault following an incident at a strip club on Orange Blossom Trail. That almost sounds nice. Let's go to Orange Blossom Trail. Sounds like a nice place to be, doesn't it? Yeah. 
then you find a strip club. Ooh. According to investigators, the Australian is being held in custody awaiting a bail hearing after he allegedly assaulted a female employee of the club by farting in her face while she was performing a lap dance. How does that happen? Yeah, I was thinking okay, I was a strange, wondering myself. A strange set of circumstances that you're sitting down getting a lap dance. You guys keep your imaginations going and I'll explain Oh, it. you're going to give us the results mm -hmm. of this. The dancer involved in the incident declined to be interviewed. However, the club's assistant manager spoke to the media briefly to condemn the customer's actions. We generally don't get a lot of troublemakers at our club, he said, stressing that this was the first case of a patron assaulting a dancer in years. We don't know what this Aussie guy's problem was. Fosters. But he... <laughs> yeah. But he won't be welcome back here again. I know what his problem was. Hot pocket. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than a Dutch oven. Do you want a hot pocket or a Dutch oven? These are your choices. Bit of both. According to the assistant manager, the incident took place around 1 a.m. in the morning when the club was nearly full. This guy picked out one of our dancers and asked for a lap dance. She took him to a private room at the back and collected payment first before starting the dance. Always good practice. Mm -hmm. Get the money up front. But halfway through, he suddenly said to her, Wait a minute, I think this chair is wet. <laughs> it will be. And that's when it happens. It's covered in gravy. <laughs> and that's when it happened. The assistant manager claims that at this point, the male customer stood up, turned around, and bent over until his hands were touching his feet. The Ooh, female rumor. employee was confused at this turn of events. <laughs> And even more so when the customer requested that she check to see if his pants were wet as well. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Sweet. Hang on, let me have a close look. I haven't got my readers with me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> nope, you're right. They're not wet. You're fine. As she leaned forward to inspect the man's <laughs> pants, the customer allegedly released gas. <laughs> Loudly and for a sustained period. A sustained. We're talking a good 30 seconds, aren't we? Directly into the woman's face. Was her mouth open? Oh. <laughs> now she knows what it's like to have the wind whistling through her hair. <gasps> the employee immediately left the private room and reported the incident to the club's bouncers. But I've paid good money. And I was going to say, paid for it. Who detained the customer until the authorities arrived. The club's management were informed of the incident, and the assistant manager sent the employee home after she complained of feeling nauseous and sick. What a sad state of affairs where you're looking into the booth next to you, and there's a guy bent over saying to a stripper, are my trousers wet? I mean, what a strange turn of events. Who would have known? The answer, my friend. <laughs> Don't just, I can't. We're going to get every wind-orientated song there, aren't we, that we can possibly think of. She told me that the smell was really nasty. I think she's definitely going to have some psychological problems after this. Really? As if stripping isn't enough. How many married couples are currently listening to this show right now around the world and the wife is nudging their husband and saying, see, you're giving me psychological problems? By yes. dropping your guts every 10 minutes. That's right. In the bedroom, in the bathroom. In the car. In the sofa. 
on walks. There's married women listening to this show, I guarantee it, nudging their husbands now and saying, look, see, you're giving me psychological problems. Not much is known of the man's motivation for the crime, and investigators have speculated it could be a simple prank or a sign of mental issues. However, one Orlando-based newspaper has reported that the man involved, who is believed to be visiting relatives in Florida, Florida! Yay! Yay! Was questioned by authorities for an earlier incident at a local park. So he had a second wind. (laughs) It's the return of the Phantom Farter! There's a whole Marvel series of films to be had here. I'm going to try to get through this because I find this hilarious. Go on, brace yourself. It's all breathe it in. According to the report, the man allegedly asked an elderly woman to kiss him where he poops. (laughs) His chocolate starfish. His tea towel holder. His buttocks into her (laughs) face. (laughs) And when he pulled back, her teeth were stuck in his bum clevis. His must clevis? Yeah, it's a cross between a crevice and a cleft. You must have heard of it. I'm making my own compound nouns. Would you like your teeth back, madam? Oh, there we go. We got one. Everyone around the world take a shot. It's been long overdue. Are these your teeth? Was you sucking on a toffee? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's Murray Mints. Murray Mints. <laughs> You smell nice. What do you smell of? <laughs> Murray mints. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I, I think everyone's going to get a second shot. Hang on. Get your drinks ready. Michelle's lost it. <laughs> oh! Oi, oi! Perfect. <laughs> a man who used a plastic bottle as a sex toy <laughs> got his penis stuck in it for four days has had to have it amputated. It wasn't a wide mouth, was it? How did he wee? How does one wee after four days? When in you've the got, bottle? In yeah. A, what happens when it fills up? Maybe he poked a hole in it. In lieu of a woman. I love that phrase, in lieu of a woman. I'm sorry about your mailbox. I was using it in lieu of a woman. But I put the flag up when I was done. The inventive man thought the drinks container would be the next best thing. Wait a second. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, you're taking the lid off of your Mountain Dew. Oh, crying that's in the not night. A big, that's not a big uh, diameter, is it, to be fair? That's what, a one inch? Well, apparently he was from Florida. You're going to want to swab that. What, my bottle? <laughs> I don't know what kind of bottle it was. It doesn't elaborate, but bottles don't have big necks necessarily, do they? They don't have big holes. No, I can see that. <laughs> the neck's small and the hole is small. It's a small hole. It I'm is, not I impressed at all. But the embarrassed 50-year-old left it four days before seeking medical help. Four days? He bottled it up. This caused it to suffer necrosis, a type of injury which causes cells to die. By the time he reached the hospital, that's very East End of London, the hospital, by the The time he reached the the hospital, sweetheart, (laughs) the bottle was still attached. The penis had turned black and started to decay. Turning black's not the end of the world. Oh, God, how did you sleep with that? How'd you put it in your pants? How'd you put it in your underwears? It's going to be very um, debilitating. Medics had no choice but to remove the organ. So it's actually still in the bottle. It's in the bottle. Like a ship. Like a ship. (laughs) 
a ship in a bottle. How did you get that in in there? there? It's so large, but the necks are small. Dr. Dennis Chirinos, the urologist who carried out the surgery, said the patient's urethra had to be repositioned, so he's still able to urinate, but he will never be able to have sex again. The old urethra, Franklin. He said it's a strange case. It's happened before, but it's still strange. When you put your penis into a bottle, it causes a constriction in the blood vessels of the penis, and within four hours, you can lose the penis. There was no choice but to completely remove the penis. I know an Indian boy that's got an arm going free, if that helps. It wasn't just the case here that it had died. It had completely gone black and began to decay. The necrosis was very severe. I hope that someone gets my... I hope that someone gets my... I was thinking the same thing. Message in in a a bottle. bottle. Why doesn't he get a hammer? At the point where your willy's going black and it's going to fall off. I don't know what... It doesn't say what kind of bottle it is. Well, you'd think he could get it off. You would tug that, wouldn't you? I mean, you? you know, that was the, point. the bottle. <laughs> you could use a bag of frozen peas in a way that a bag of frozen peas shouldn't be used. But at the point where it's going to fall off, I'd just say, to hell with it, go and get the hammer. A bit of bruising's not the end of the world. The odd contusion, just give it a good whack, son. That's what whacks? You want it? Okay. A whack. A good hard whack with a hammer. Well, see, I'm looking at my bottle. Yes, you've got a small, convenient bottle, bottle of yeah. Diet Mountain Dew in your hand. Yes, and I'm thinking if you put it in, the mushroom head must get stuck like an anchor once it gets past it. Oh. Do you see what I mean? So it kind of goes past the mushroom. Like that, and then it's stuck like this. I can see you're doing actions, but that's not helping our listeners, is it? That is a small bottle well, you've got Well, let me there. show you. Bottles come. <laughs> <laughs> I'll film it. <laughs> Just so I get this right, because I don't want to get it wrong. <laughs> You're suggesting on air that I push the best part of my chicken skin through the small <laughs> hole in your Mountain Dew with a pencil whilst Michelle films it. This is, yes, that's when it comes out. But he's fell off. I don't want mine to fall off. I'm learning my lesson. No worries. No worries. We'll get it. <laughs> It'll be okay. Yes, we know a guy in India that can give me an arm. That would be very useful. It could nip out. He can give you a hand. Perfect. (laughs) Be embarrassing shaking your hand, wouldn't it? (laughs) Well, he's got a firm handshake. Must be in the Masons. Heather, what have you got for me finally in the round of Not For Your Mother? Kids in England won't be missing school anymore. Good deal. They'll never miss school. Kids in England. Mm Mm-mm. Woman's Hour host Jenny Murray, or Dame Jenny Murray, has said teenagers should watch pornography in school and analyze it as they would a Jane Austen novel. Perfect. Well, they're very similar things, of course. Why, Mr. Bennett, I'm undone. Yes. Of course you are. The Radio 4 presenter also believes sex education classes, as we know it, should be overhauled and renamed gender studies. Dame Jenny, according to the Daily Mail, was answering questions from an audience at the Cheltenham Literary Festival. Cheltenham. Good enough. That wasn't a bad stab. You did a good job. Was that all right? You're learning through osmosis. She was quizzed on how she would tackle the prevalence of internet pornography. We give our kids Jane Austen to read and we say, okay. 
Let's analyze it. Yes, because you're trying to teach them literary analyzation. You're trying to give them a good education in the world of English literature and language. Well, and great novels. Perfect. Well, we might show them a news bulletin that has been on television the night before. So why not show them pornography and teach them how to analyze it? If you uh, that's showed, why I watch it. If you showed pornography to a group of 13-year-olds, I would be in jail. Before the end of the day was out. And I wouldn't pass go and I wouldn't be collecting $200. Would you miss class? I would be missing class. In actual fact, I was doing a cover lesson once as a teacher. And the teacher wrote down, just play them this DVD. And it was, you know, Romeo and Juliet. It was a film, whatever it was. And the kids were 13, but the film was actually a 15. And if I'd have played that film to them and any of those kids would have complained, I'd have been in a lot of trouble. I just thought, and this one was never taught a lesson. I had to teach sex education when I was a teacher. It's called pastoral care. And they have a sex education kit. There's a box that gets provided by the local National Health Service. That Does has every, a banana in it? There is, yes. There is every type of tool. And a condom? There's a condom. I took out that box to show a group of 13-year-old students. There was 30 of them in the room. I had to teach them sex education. They knew more about it than I did. There was a girl put the condom on the banana with her teeth. I'd never seen anything like it. They knew more about all of this stuff. Than I ended up asking them questions. I ended up asking a group of 13-year-olds questions about sex education. They knew more than me. Oh, unbelievable. Well, you put boys and girls together in a class and you show them pornographic films and then you analyze it exactly the same way you would teach them to read all the other cultures around them. The thing is, what Dame Jenny is missing is if you're studying Jane Austen, that's a very strong feminist text because of that period, it's a paternal period of history you know, at the beginning of the 19th century, where there's not many strong female characters and women aren't considered to be that important. And then you've got a character like Elizabeth Bennet. So it's a very interesting text that needs to be studied when you're looking at equality and strong female characters in a paternal society. Watching pornography does not give you that. That is not what you're getting. It's a very warped view of how loving relationships and society could be when you're looking at pornography and you're showing 13-year-olds and saying this is how it should be. When it isn't, it's a very jaundiced view of how it should be. It doesn't reflect society, does it? And it doesn't reflect relationships. I think the woman's smoking too many drugs. I find that remarkable. I hope a lot of people wrote in and complained. You don't analyze pornography, do you? I haven't got time. (laughs) (laughs) there's far more pressing issues and it only takes a minute let me sit i'm not doing it twice what's the matter with you my mother might walk in she's snoring from the room next door i've got like you know precious seconds until she wakes up with only one sock i couldn't find my dad's other sock when all good things come to an end, so let us look at tonight's scores. In last place with the K2 meter and the dead battery, it is Heather Morris, who scored minus five. <laughs> but in resplendent first place and winning the $33,000 IR camera, it's me, apparently. I've scored Shocking. five. 
Do not fear, listener. Remember, I am back with a whole new bunch of cheating next week at the same time. <laughs> and I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal, strange, intriguing, and how big is Adrian's willy? <laughs> Please tell your friends and family about Adrian's willy and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site where I will show you a picture of my willy. <laughs> On more questions and answers with Adrian Lee. You can also follow my Twitter account at Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. And remember, we now do an extra 15 to 20 minutes of the show in a round called Not For Your Mother that we can't read out live on air for fear of being removed or getting a hefty fine. That's available on SoundCloud if you search for MQTA Radio. And remember, we are a week behind in our archives because Dark Matter Digital Network likes to play our shows throughout the course of the week. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Tom Drainer, Nathan Bush, Michelle Corrie, and all at the International Paranormal Society at interparanormal.net and all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group and MUFON of Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember, be interested and interesting. Good night.